All right. Well, good evening, uh, everybody. Good to see uh, all the bodies here tonight. I don't know if everybody's all the bodies, but anyway, you're here, and so thank you for being here. We're talking about uh, wisdom, and uh, we're getting into this uh, second uh, study of these five chapters that deal with uh, uh, a whole different uh, uh, line of uh, Proverbs. These are Proverbs that uh, were collected by Hezekiah's servants when Hezekiah was king. He uh, formulated uh, <clears throat> a few of these Proverbs and added them to uh, the uh, number of Proverbs that were already in existence. Uh, these are uh, just a small portion of some 3,000 Proverbs uh, that Solomon had written. And um, these are Proverbs that he has taken from uh, Solomon's writings 270 years after Solomon had passed away. And so Hezekiah, as we all know, is now the king over the uh, southern tribes. And we understand, most of us do, that they were kind of winding down as uh, the southern tribes as far as a nation uh, because eventually they were going to be carried off into Syrian captivity, or not Syrian captivity, but Babylonian captivity. Uh, the Syrians, as you remember, <clears throat> Sennacherib uh, had them surrounded, and, and God uh, spared uh, the uh, southern tribe for just a little while, gave uh, uh, Hezekiah 15 more years of life, uh, he wanted to. He wanted to live. He didn't want to die. When he found out he was going to die, he prayed and asked God to, to give him a little more time. And so God promised him 15 more years. And if you remember the story right, he said, "Well, Lord, if if you're going to be good on that promise, I want to see a sign. And uh, what I would like to see is, I would like to see the sun go backwards." Uh, uh, one day, I believe it was one day, and so uh, the Lord turned time back one day, and we had that happen with Joshua too, while he was battling. And uh, for those that know a little bit about the solar calendar and can calculate all those things, they 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 seem to come up with that uh, <clears throat> uh, deficiency there when they measure time. I don't know how they do it. But uh, that's what I have been told. Well, anyway, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about tonight. It's just something that kind of popped in my head about old Hezekiah. Well, anyway, here we want to talk about, uh, oh, at least uh, verses number uh, 16 through 29 uh, of uh, Proverbs chapter 25. Here in Proverbs chapter 25, we have... Oh, at least 10 different things that we want to discuss tonight. So since it's already 7.54, we better get to moving along here. And so we're going to, I think what we'll do, if I can find my place here in the Bible, we'll just read the whole thing and then I'll come back, boom, 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 and we'll hit on the, every one of these 10 things in rapid succession. And so we're going to begin reading here from Proverbs uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 25, 
beginning with verse number 16 is where I believe I want to start reading. In verse number 16, uh, we read, Has thou found honey? Eat so much as is sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith and vomit it. That doesn't sound very good. To eat so much that you get sick and vomit. I wonder if anyone's ever done that. Hey, wherewith, uh, he says, uh, withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee, and so hate thee. In other words, you know, don't, don't uh, ruin your welcome. And then in verse number 18, a man that beareth false witness against his neighbor is a mole and a sword and a sharp arrow. Confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble is like a broken tooth. Ouch, that hurts. And a foot out of joint. I think the broken tooth is worse. As he that taketh away his garment in cold weather and as vinegar upon nit uh, nitri, I guess that would be soda, so he that uh, singeth a song uh, to a heavy heart. If thine enemy hunger, give him bread to eat. If he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Ha, ha, ha. Hell, let's do that. And the Lord shall reward thee. The north wind driveth away rain. So doth an angry countenance a backbiting tongue. We've been getting a lot of... Uh, Wind is coming. Where does it? Does that wind? Yeah, it does come down from the north, doesn't it? They call it the Santa Ana wind, but it's like the devil wind. By the way, it's blowing all over Southern California, and it's blowing up all over my car. Little pits in the glass and the paint. So it is better to dwell in the corner of the housetop. Or no, it's not better. It is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop. Than with a brawling woman in a white house. I guess it's better to be alone than be around someone like that, huh? So cold water is thirsty to a cold water to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Boy, I tell you it's good to hear good news from heaven, amen. A righteous man falling down before the wicked is as troubled fountains and a corrupt spring. It is not good to eat much honey, so for men to search their own glory, it's not glory. <laughs> and then uh, we finally get to verse number 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. So let's talk about this first one. We need to be very careful about gluttony. The Bible does say that gluttony is a sin. And so <clears throat> we need to be careful about how much we eat. Some people live to eat. Some people eat to live. <clears throat> they say a good diet is, a, you know, an open mind and a closed mouth. So <laughs> that's what usually works. And, so here we have, uh, we have actually, I, I have in your notes there, we have two areas of access that is mentioned here. Actually, there's three, and I, I, I discovered the third one when I got down to uh, verse number 27, 
where we read uh, that there, you know, those that like to seek for their own glory, uh, they want to be, <clears throat> they want to be praised constantly. So they they have this, they're what you might call a glutton for glory. And now we understand the word glutton or gluttony is in the Bible. We know that, and we understand gluttony in the Bible is a sin. The Bible says in Proverbs twenty three, verse number one and two. And then if you look over at verse number 20, 21, the Bible says, When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee. Put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Be not among wine-bibbers and among uh, righteous eaters of the flesh. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. And then we also read over in Deuteronomy 21, in verse number 18 through 21, that you actually could stone people, rebellious children who were gluttons. The Bible says in verse number 18 of Deuteronomy 21, these are the laws of Moses. If a man have a stubborn, rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and say, get out of the refrigerator, stop eating all of our food. And he just continues to eat everything in the house. He says, <clears throat> if he has a son like that, he won't want to avoid the voice of the mother and father. So, <clears throat> so he goes on to say that when thou hast chastised him and he will not hearken unto them, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him out unto the elders of the city and unto the gate of his place. And they shall say unto the elders in the city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious, and he will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of the city shall stone him with stones, that he die. So shall thou put evil away from among you. And all Israel shall hear and fear. <laughs> so that's pretty serious stuff. And of course, gluttony was in reference to the fact that he had no consideration for anyone else, no respect for anyone else. If there was any food there, he was not going to share it with anyone. If there was famine in the land, he'd make sure he got all the, all he wanted, and he could care less if the rest of the family starved. And so, <clears throat> and of course, <clears throat> we have people like that out there today. And so then... <clears throat> We have this second area where, you know, we need to make sure we are proper adequate about, you know, hanging out with our neighbors. Sometimes you can wear out your welcome. We don't want to do that. Take advantage of your neighbor. There's some people that they find a home at their neighbor's house and they move in. <laughs> and pretty soon the neighbors can't get rid of them, so the neighbors have to move out. And then there are people that, you know, they just constantly want to be praised. They, you know, they, uh, rather than uh, <clears throat> having someone else praise them, uh, they're constantly praising themselves, and then they're asking you to praise them, constantly seeking for praise. They, they look what they call the rhodomontade. You know what a rhodomontade is. It's not a rhododendron, but it's a, it's a nasty flower that stinks to high heavens because the person is just constantly wanting to be, you know, flowered with praise. So we move on to verse number 18, and we find that a false testimony, it is dangerous. 
You know, people have lost their lives because of false testimonies. People have been executed. People have been put in prison because of false testimonies. Uh, there have been people who live with the stigma of uh, maybe uh, raping someone or, or taking advantage of someone from a false testimony. Uh, people have been severely damaged by the tongue and by the lies that come from the tongue. And there are people out there, oh, we need to be ever so careful. You know, Billy Graham never went anywhere <clears throat> uh, uh, with uh, another woman. He always made sure that uh, uh, he never put himself in a compromising pus uh, situation. Uh, so he would never meet with a woman alone. He would never eat with a woman alone. He would never visit a woman alone. He would not, when he went to a motel, he would not have the maids come in there and clean his room while he was there. He was very cautious about those things because of the evil tongue, and that's very wise. <clears throat> we read also in Psalms 57 and verse number 4, that my soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire. Even the son of men whose teeth are spears of arrows and their tongues are sharp swords. Kind of reminds you of CNN News, doesn't it? Some of these other phony, uh, uh, <clears throat> oh, what, what am I thinking of? <laughs> News media. Uh, the word media for some reason just wouldn't come to my mind. It's such a bad word. And James chapter 3, verse number 8, the Bible says, A tongue can no man tame. Well, no one can tame some of these news medias. You know, Cooper Anderson, boy, there's, there's a piece of work for you. You know, he, from his tongue, he said that those uh, Trump supporters were people that usually eat at the Olive Garden and stay at the Holiday Inn Express. In other words, you know, you're a low lifer if you live at the Holiday Inn, or you stay at the Holiday Inn, and, you know, a lot of people can't afford to stay where he, you know, he would stay. And, um, you know, the best if we want to eat a steak, I mean, we, we have to save in order to eat at somewhere like uh, at McDonald's. <laughs> so your wife said, well, honey, we've saved up for a month. I'm going to treat you like a king. I'm going to take you to Burger King. <laughs> You know, he didn't say, my goodness, you know, if those are considered lowlifers that live, uh, you know, that, that stay at the Holiday Inn and eat at the places like the Olive Garden, what about those that shop at Walmart? <laughs> Verse number 19, confidence in an unfaithful man is painful and vexation. Well, I tell you, it is painful when you got uh, workers that don't show up on time or doesn't even show up at all and you're counting on them. Uh, well, where's my Sunday school teachers? Where's, where's my workers? You know, where are they? What's going on? <laughs> I remember years ago we were in a building program. We had this one guy. He was, good. He was, a, good, he was a good builder. I mean, he knew his stuff. And uh, he made promise that he was going to help us with a building project. And we had like 20 guys show up and he was going to oversee the project. And so we were all waiting and he never showed up. 
And I was told, well, you might be, you want to, you may want to be a little careful about uh, using him because he can be very unfaithful. And I found that out in a hurry. Verse number 20, as we move on, uh, number four, we take wrong, when we take a wrong course, when we think it is uh, <clears throat> a right course to help people who are going through sorrow. It really not a, you're not able to help someone go through sorrow. The best thing we can do with someone that's going through a time of great sorrow is let them know we have no idea what they're going through. We have no understanding of what they're going through. And the best that we can do for you is to let you know that our heart grieves for you and we're praying for you. You take the wrong course if you think that there's some way you can relieve that person of whatever deep sorrow they're going through and make their hearts merry. It's told in verse number 20, as he that taketh away a garment in cold weather and as vinegar upon nitre or upon soda, so is he that singeth songs to a heavy heart. <laughs> Don't sing, please don't sing. All right, now I don't want to hear from you. Can you imagine that? You know, we, we kind of get an idea of Job's friends come along, try to help him while he's going through his sorrow. They weren't much help at all, were they? <laughs> so only, to be quite honest, when someone's going through great sorrow and they're grieving, the only time can get them through that. We read an interesting portion of scripture over here in Psalms chapter 6, or excuse me, Psalms 6, because Psalms don't have chapters. They're Psalms. They're not chapters. Psalms 6, verse number 2 through 9, it says something like this, A heavy, have, Mary, uh, have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. Save me, save me uh, for thy mercy's sakes. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave who shall give thee thanks? I am weary with my groaning all night. I make my bed to swim. I water my couch with tears. Mine eyes are consumed because of my grief. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquities, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. We find four things here about sorrow. Number one, sorrow needs healing from the Lord. There's no way that you can bring that healing. There's something about the vexation of the spirit and the soul. When it is crushed, there's no one that can heal except for the Lord. And it's a very painful and sorrowful thing to go through. Sorrow can be a very long process. People don't get over it overnight. Sometimes we get a little cruel by saying, I'll get over it. <laughs> well, <clears throat> that's like telling someone with cancer, get over it. You know, and, uh, People deal with sorrow in different ways. Uh, sorrow, as we have already read, is a great tormentor. Return, O Lord, deliver me from my soul. Save me from, for thy mercy's sake. For 
death there is no remembrance of thee. He says, I make my bed to swim. I water my couch with tears. My eyes are consumed because of grief. Sorrow can only be overcome uh, through the Lord in prayer. God in his time uh, can bring healing. We have not because we ask not. When we begin to pray and seek for God to heal our grieving hearts, he can. Some of you young people don't know what sorrow is, but as you go through life, you're going to deal with it. And sometimes it's very tough to get through. Sometimes people can't get through it. Sometimes it becomes self-destructive. They just can't deal with it. So it's a very serious problem. And by you singing a song to them is not going to help. It's uh, <clears throat> unless that's what the Lord would have you to do. And so we, uh, we just uh, trust that the Lord will help them to get through it. And we were there to let them know that we don't understand, but we care. Number five, we find there are precepts <clears throat> that deal with loving your enemies and, uh, and uh, doing good to your enemies. Jesus said, remember over there in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, I believe it's been 44, you've heard it said of old, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy, but I say unto you, love your neighbor. Uh, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. And so we have a responsibility to do good to our enemies and pray for them. Now, <clears throat> what's interesting here, the Bible says, by doing so, you will heap coals of fire upon their head. Well, that just simply means if you go over to Daniel chapter, or not Daniel, but over in Romans chapter 12, and I believe verse number 19, the Bible says, vengeance are mine, and he will repay. When we do good to our enemies, uh, he's coals of fire. He uses the same uh, passage of scripture. In other words, it puts up, it heaps conviction upon them. They're doing you wrong, and you're doing them good, and they can't figure that out. Why is he, why is he so good to me when I hate his guts? <laughs> I know that's a horrible, excuse me for using that expression. I hate his inner beings, you know. <laughs> uh, and then they start feeling guilty. Uh, I, I can't understand this guy. You know, he, I, I, I hate him, I despise him, and yet uh, he's such a friend. Wow, it's hard to understand. Uh, and so it brings them under great conviction. That's what he's talking about. As we move on here, we find in verse number 23, sometimes all it takes is just the right kind of a look uh, to turn evil away. Notice uh, we read there in verse number 23, the north wind driveth away rain, so doth an angry countenance, a backbiting tongue. Someone standing over there and they're gossiping about somebody you know and all you got to do is shut them up and just give them a look that my wife would give to me when, when I'm saying something that she disapproves of. A look that goes right through you and you know, boy, that's, a, that's, a, that's not an approving look, that's a disapproving look. <laughs> mm. 
Uh, there were times I said, honey, you, you got to stop looking at some of the people like that in the congregation. <laughs> <laughs> Good news from heaven is so refreshing, amen? amen. The Bible talks about <clears throat> cold water to a thirsty soul is good news from a far country. Well, there's no country further than heaven, and he has brought us some wonderful news. In the time of despair, in the time of heartache, in the time of sorrow, it's always good to know that we have a comforter that loves us, and one day we're going to be out of this mess, and we're going to be forever with him. And so, you know, when somebody's in a far country, they're off over there in desert, some desert storm type of war or whatever, you know, that's not the time to write to them and tell them about all your problems. <laughs> uh, it'd be better to write to them and just tell them, find the good things to tell them that's going on. Basically, that's the point that he's trying to get when, you know, get across. You got someone that's away from home, they're in a far country, and you're from a far country, and you're writing to them. Uh, and uh, uh, encourage them. Don't tell them about all the problems that are going on. Uh, let them know that uh, there are some good things that are happening. And then we read in verse number 26, how sad it is when the righteous fall before the wicked. No, that is sad. It just grieves my heart. I remember some years ago, I won't <laughs> won't labor in the story, but we had a we had a a man that uh, <clears throat> was in charge of our Bible college there at Pacific Coast. Some of you probably know the story. And um, anyway, uh, a group of the trustees went there to the college to find out if what was being rumored and what was being gossiped that there was any merit to it. Brother Dave Brown, one of the trustees at the time, I was a trustee there at the school as well. And I was there in the state of Washington at a preacher's meeting. I was one of the preachers there speaking at that meeting. And I was supporting this guy that had fallen into the hands of the wicked. Actually, <clears throat> he fell into the hands of the wicked one. And other people were hurt by it. And, you know, you always want to believe the best, not the worst of people. And finally, Brother Dave Brown called me. He said, Brother Nolan, it's true. You know, how sad that is. It grieves your heart when you hear that that is true. You know, we should never rejoice when a godly person that has been faithful to the Lord falls into wickedness. It ought to break our hearts. And, and so... Uh, when uh, preachers heard that it was true, it was, you know, it broke a lot of preachers' hearts and it caused preachers to get along with God and pray about the situation, pray for the people involved and pray for the school. You know, the devil is going to do everything he can to bring something down. And when you got a school with hundreds of students there and you got a leader there that falls into the hands of the wicked one, well, it can bring about great destruction. And so the Bible says, A righteous man falling down before the wicked is a troubled fountain and a corrupt spring. We, we need to realize how important it is that we as leaders, we as parents, we as grandparents, 
we who have responsible roles that other people respect us and look up to us uh, for. And one of the greatest responsible roles that anyone could have is that of being a parent or a grandparent because our lives can influence generations of young people and how, how troublesome it is when our testimony becomes a fountain of corrupt springs. And then in closing, uh, we read in verse number 28, the man who has no command over his anger is easily robbed of peace. There's no peace to the soul that has no control over his own spirit. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. I can tell you there was a time where I was there, and that's a troubling thing. And it's a frightful thing because you just don't know uh, when you fly off the handle, you know, how bad it can be or how bad it may be. And by the grace of God, I was able to get victory over it. But I will say this, and it could be a long story, but I'll make it short. Usually people who have a problem with anger is because they have a problem with bitterness. And they have no control over their spirit because they've allowed bitterness uh, to take root in their life. The Bible says over in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 15 that we're to look diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness bringing up and trouble you and thereby many be defiled. You can always be sure that at the root of anger or at, at the foot of anger, there's the root of bitterness. It is the foundation that that uh, crumbles a life and, and it's really not a foundation it's a sinking sand that troubles a life we need to make sure that uh, <clears throat> that we get control over our spirit by having a forgiving spirit and a loving spirit and a meek and quiet spirit and then we'll have a peaceful spirit but when our spirit is filled with bitterness and anger and malice an unforgiving attitude toward others, we hold on to that bitterness, we don't let it go, then yes, we're easily offended. And so with that being said, let us pray. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the wisdom that comes from these statues. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, that our spirit will always be yielded to your spirit, that we would walk in your statues, that we would be constantly abiding in your love and that we would take these principles and we would hide them in our hearts for we ask this in Jesus name and everyone say it all right well there you go class is dismissed <laughs>